Ladies and gentlemen, In the Huddle is back in full effect, baby. Episode 79. The gentlemen are hyped to discuss week 14, which is not over yet. Got a really good game tonight, Monday. And folks, per usual, I am Kenny C. Alongside me is the real Leal, Cam Jones, and Zach Kroll. Fellas, how's it going? It's going good, man. I cannot complain at all. This week was a jam-packed sports weekend, and now on Monday, as usual, we are back in the huddle to give us, to give y'all, should I say, our takes, and we're going to do just that. I'm ready to go. Man, I just want to say happy Monday to all you guys. Episode 79, man. God damn, guys. Time is flying. <laughs> but just want to say, man, yesterday was a great day of football. Well, this past weekend was a great day of college sports and, you know, NFL and all that. Just happy to talk sports with you guys tonight. Let's get it. Yeah, what's up, guys? Just want to say thanks again for having me. Uh, you guys know I love doing the show with you guys each and every week. And I don't know about you guys, but yesterday when I was watching that Chiefs-Dolphins game, it really hit me for the first time. Like, wow, we're in December. This kind of feels like a playoff-like atmosphere, and it got me really excited for the next couple of weeks, all the races going on, all the playoffs. And, uh, yeah, really looking forward to talking football with you guys today. Yes, sir. And the first topic, baby, let's get right into this. The folks from – the fellas from Orchard Park – the Buffalo Bills defeated the Pittsburgh Steelers 26-15. to Should we be concerned about the Steelers entering the playoffs? I'll start this thing right off immediately. We should be very worried, especially with the way the offense has looked. Looking totally at the offense, guys are dropping balls left and right. Eric Ebron against Washington, Deontay Johnson against Washington, Deontay Johnson last night getting benched for the game because of it. The run game, perhaps the biggest issue and has been practically non-existent the past three to five weeks for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They clearly are not using James Conner virtually at all, and it was evident last night. Second half was like the man wasn't even there. But looking at Big Ben, man, it's clear that Steeler fans should be scared about his knee. The guy himself said if he can't play at a high level and perform for his team, he's going to retire. And, I mean, his mobility – you know, looked very limited last night. Heading into the game, couple stats for you guys last night. Steelers had attempted 104 passes in the last two weeks. The results, they barely defeated the COVID-ravaged Ravens, and then they lost to Washington to lose their undefeated season. Also heading to the game, Big Ben was 29th in yards per attempt, and in their 196 total passes, Ben has just under six yards per attempt. Last night, they tried to throw seven to eight-yard passes to try to come back, and at some point, you got to get the long ball going. I know Big Ben and Randy Fitchner had this thing going on where, you know, Fitchner was kind of letting Big Ben call a lot of audibles and, you know, pick his own plays in the huddle. And clearly, you know, we in the huddle right now, we could break down for you that that's not working right now. So Mike Tomlin needs to take over. The defense, they played good despite injuries, and offense is my main focal point why this team could be a one-and-done. Well, Kenny C, man, I'm going to piggyback to what you're saying. You know, despite starting the season, uh, the season 11-0, and the Steelers been, you know, they've been in a lot of close victories, you feel me? You know, they're mm -hmm. supposed to be beating teams such as the Giants by a blowout, the Denver Broncos by a blowout, the um, Dallas Cowgirls, I don't call them Cowboys, but Dallas Cowgirls in a blowout. And, you know, in the first half against Jacksonville, you know, they were struggling a bit offensively. I mean, the past three games, you know, dating back after the Jacksonville game, this Steelers offense only averaged about um, 17 points a game, you know, only a touchdown, like two touchdowns and a half. 
I mean, it, it, it's just terrible that the receiving core, you know, been dropping too many balls over the past, you know, three weeks alone. The receiver, the receiving core has dropped over 15 balls, which is terrible in the NFL right now. I mean, Mike Tomlin, you know, you're the head coach. You've been there for over a decade now. If you feel like you need to make some necessary changes to this Steelers offense, let's do it, baby. Yeah, the, the Steelers should be absolutely concerned. And the reason why I say so is that um, Big Ben in the pocket, man, I'm, I'm going to just keep it. 100 with both of y'all fellas or all three of y'all fellas here and the people. He looks like he's playing with a hospital gown on. He looks like he's not healthy at all. And he made a lot of mistakes yesterday. He threw two interceptions, two costly interceptions. One of the interceptions allowed the Bills to drive down the field and score and gain momentum. Um, you're talking about these short passes that you're trying to throw, but you're not establishing the running game, which is virtually impossible because the Bills' defense played great. They jammed the wide receivers of the Pittsburgh Steelers at the line, so they couldn't, you know, use that short passing game to their advantage, especially because they couldn't run the football. When you look at their running stats, they rushed for just 21 yards last week and then 47 yards this week. I mean, you're not going to win. That's not a formula for success. And even though they had a good defense yesterday that gave Josh Allen trouble in the first half, they still couldn't overcome the deficiencies on offense. They should be worried. I think for me, if I was a Steeler fan, the number one thing looking at this game that would be the most frustrating to me is that in the first half, your defense really did give you a chance to win the game. I was super impressed with the way that they really shut down Josh Allen in the first half of that game. But as you guys know, the game really changed on that pick six. That was a mistake by Ben. Yeah. And I think there are obviously reasons to be concerned. When you look at the Steelers right now, they say the record says they're 11-2, and two, which is fine. But at the same time, over the last couple of weeks, there's no denying their offense hasn't been very good. Deontay Johnson was benched. Ebron can't catch a cold. Uh, they don't really have anyone besides James Washington that could get going right now on offense. If I'm Mike Tomlin, I would try to get Chase Claypool more involved. I would even try to get Juju a little bit more involved. And one thing about the game last night that really hit me, uh, I believe Kenny C was hinting at it, you know, this Big Ben-Randy Fitchner uh, connection, it's not ideal and it hasn't been ideal for the last couple of weeks. You look at the other sideline, you see Brian Dable just running circles around Keith Butler yeah. and that defense. So that's a big difference in the game. Now, obviously, should the Steelers be concerned? Yeah. I don't know how you could watch the last couple of games and say to yourself, okay, there's nothing to worry about. But at the same time, I'm not going to give up yet. I don't think Big Ben is completely washed. I think we've had many quarterbacks throughout the season. Phillip Rivers, Tom Brady kind of look you know, a little break, broken down or, or earlier in the season and come back to, to rebound. Pittsburgh, you look at their uh, schedule for the next three games. They uh, have a Monday night game on the road against Cincinnati next week. And then they have uh, Cleveland at home to end. So those are two divisional games right there. And – I do think if Pittsburgh really wants a chance to make a deep run, that buy was very important and their defense is super banged up. I get it. I just, you know, I don't believe this narrative that Ben Roethlisberger is done. I don't think the Steelers are done. I think they could really in the next three games, turn it around. And once again, excuse me, I was really impressed with the way their defense played last night. If their defense could do that again, that, and Big Ben is just fine on offense, I do think they're still a team to be concerned I disagree yeah, just, with you, Zach. I, I disagree with you slightly. Really? And I know Kenny C was um, t- trending in the direction of agreeing with you. And the reason why I say Big Ben is, is partially done is not because of his talent. I still think he has a little bit to give, a little bit more to give 
on the football field. I just think mentally, I think he might be done because pre-injury, he already showed signs that he was done. He had a little bit of motivation coming back from the injury, making it seem like he was all in loving football again. And I think now that his body is is being broken down even more, I think, you know, you just heard him threaten to retire. I kind of think maybe later on mentally, he may not be able to just complete a football season. Yeah. Well, I first of just... all, the only thing is here, I don't th- like, don't you think that this is a guy that missed basically all of last season and he worked really hard to come back from injury? We saw what the Steelers looked like last year with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph at quarterback. As bad as the offense is now, it's nowhere uh, near as bad as that. And I just don't think he's built like that. He could say, oh, I'm going to retire. But at the same time, at the end of the sentence, he said, uh, if I feel like I'm not doing enough to help the team win. And he said he could still do that. This is a guy that – I mean, your won- body will speak for yourself. You know, the body uh, will speak for was, you. So see, he has to be healthy. Say, you know, I was just going to say, you know, prior to injury, and even with the injury, like, overall, like, from a stats uh, perspective, he's having a great season. Agreed. But, you know, the knee, you know, here's the thing. If Big Ben does go down, like, God forbid, for the rest of the season – they're done. Like we can all agree, their playoff hopes. Are Mason Rudolph, regardless of how good your defense, yeah, we went is, down that road last year. Yeah, is, they're not gonna do one. They're not gonna do much. So I do believe Big Ben is the X factor. Like if Big Ben's on the field, they definitely have a good case to to win games. And, and also, like I realize playoff ben, performance, but the knee is a big question mark. I realize Ben hasn't played well the last couple of weeks, but at the same time, I think from a big picture perspective, we have to look at that going into last night's game. Uh, ben Roethlisberger had more touchdowns than Josh Allen. He had less interceptions than Josh Allen. And now everyone, you know, I, look, I'm very impressed with Josh Allen. He's been great. But at the same time, I just don't necessarily buy the narrative that Big Ben is all of a sudden done. I think if the Steelers could gain some momentum uh, throughout the next three weeks in winnable games, I still think they could have a chance to make a run. But I feel like Zach, like, for instance, the Steelers, right, you know, they scored only 19 points against Baltimore. They scored 17 points against Washington and only 15 against Buffalo. I mean, I really anticipated more from the Steelers' offense, especially, you know, with the receiving court in James Washington, Chase Claypool, and Juju Smith-Schuster. But I don't know. After Literally, after that Jacksonville win, the Steelers' offense been going downhill. So I don't know. I feel like, you know, the receiver's not helping Ben enough. I feel like at the same time, too, Ben not really stepping up to his throw to make, you know, to make those deep passes. Like, there was one play James Washington beat Levi Wallace on a, um, on a goal route. And Ben underthrew him, and that's how Levi Wallace ended up making that interception. So either way, I believe like there has to be some type of um, adjustments need to be made these next three weeks, in you know, in, in order for the Steelers team to go far in the playoffs. Absolutely, and when, and, when, and when you're not winning the football, Big Ben is susceptible to receiving those hits. You know, so I, I think that you looking at it from a talent's perspective, I'm looking at it from a mental and the winning game not being existent to why Big Ben is probably going to retire more earlier than his plans were to retire. And another thing about the Steelers, before I let anybody else get in here, is that I think other than defense, the only thing they do well is dancing on the football field. I mean, pre-game, <laughs> you the, see Juju on the, on the Bills logo dancing. <laughs> that gave the Bills extra motivation to bust y'all ass. And that's yeah. exactly what they did yesterday. Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs especially, 10 receptions for over 130 yards. He bust yeah. y'all ass. So y'all better start take um sipping that humble Kool-Aid. Otherwise, y'all ass is going home <laughs> on the first um flight smoking back to Pittsburgh. <laughs> well, in that sense, I got to yeah. ag- agree with you. And for me, like, I hate to say it, but that that's on the coach, man. Like, 
I mentioned it with the coordinators. Like, I, you guys know, I think Mike Tomlin's a fine coach, but I think he's a little overrated. Um, I think he's done a good job this season, but I think the last couple of games have exposed the kind of weaknesses that I've been used to seeing from him over the last couple of years. You can't have your team dancing on that logo pregame. The Bills are literally looking for any way they can to be motivated. You're not going to do that on the road. Cam mentioned it earlier. Juju Smith-Schuster's out here making TikToks, like stuff like that. I just feel like it's a little bit of a distraction. And when you look at it, the coordinators are not good for this team. If Mike Tomlin is is as good of a coach as everyone tells me he is, I want to see him make the proper adjustments. There's no denying. But if AB did it, if AB did it, it would have been a problem. If Antonio Brown did it, so keep that same. What energy. do you mean by a problem? Like it would have been a problem if Antonio Brown was the one making a TikTok on the Bills um side on the Bills logo, it would have been a bigger story. So the, the Steelers had the notion of oh, we moving away from that social media divaness. Well, you still got divas on your team, obviously. Exactly. And that's on the coach, to be honest. So do better. And we're gonna keep it rolling right on through. Kansas City Chiefs, man, defeated the Miami Dolphins, who gave them a run for their money, 33 to 27. What is our biggest takeaway from this game, fellas? Yeah, I'll start it off here. I think my number one takeaway from this game is the Chiefs are beatable. Are they very good? Yes. Are they right now the favorite to win the Super Bowl? Yes. But let's not pretend that this Kansas City Chief is out here. Uh, Kansas City Chief team is out here blowing everyone out. I mean, they got outscored 17-3 to in the third quarter. Their defense looked very vulnerable. Tua was swinging the ball down the field. I was impressed with him. I was impressed with Miami in this game. They came to play very shorthanded, didn't have a healthy running back, didn't have Kyle Van Noy on defense. And still, we uh, saw that Patrick Mahomes is human. And I still believe if you have the right formula and the right personnel, you could beat this Kansas City Chief, uh, Chief team. You just have to execute properly. Yeah, my biggest takeaway from this game is that the Tua versus Mahomes notion needs to just die. Like, anytime Mahomes go up against Tua, that's not a fair fight. It's like bringing a knife to a gunfight. You're going to lose. Simply because when you look at the injuries at this game, like um, Zach partially alluded to, running backs Miles Gaskin and Matt Breida was out. They did not play. Then you talk about Devontae Parker didn't even play the second half. Yet Tua was still poised enough to be in the pocket and, and fit a tight ball, um, a threaded needle, to um, their tight end, Gasicki, in the end zone. So Tua played his hard out, and you're the Chiefs. You're, down, you're up 30 to 10, and you allow a banged-up team, a banged-up Dolphins to come back with um, with Lyndon Bolden, Lynn Bolden and, and Mac Hollins as their starting wide receivers. Yeah, I'm not impressed from the Kansas City Chiefs, but that notion of Tua versus Mahomes, that's not a fair notion because, obviously, it's Tua versus the Chiefs. I mean, for me, guys, my biggest takeaway um, from yesterday's game was the Dolphins' defense generating four turnovers, three you know, three interceptions, one by Eric Rowe, one by Brian Jones, one by um, Xavier Howard. Especially that one-handed interception by Xavier Howard that was you know pretty spectacular, and that um, and that fumble recovery um, on the bad snap. I just felt like you know, just like Zach mentioned, like this Chiefs team is beatable. You know, especially you know Brian Forrest coming from New England, so he knows how Mahomes, how Mahomes and that um, Kansas City offense operates. So I believe, you know, they did a great job doing that. Also, too, that 30-yard sack by Jerome Baker on Mahomes. You know, as you guys know, Mahomes, he's a mobile guy. You know, one, you know once, when mobile, once when Mahomes leaves the pocket, you know, he's able to scramble, get some positive yardage. But I believe that, you know, Jerome Baker did a good job cutting him down on that 30-yard sack. And um, another, another thing, this was Brian Jones, Brian Jones' first interception since 2017. And now I'm actually going to take the contrary to most of these takeaways. Um, you know, we all know that the Chiefs are the favorite and whatnot. And I think that my biggest takeaway is that 
to me, they really look to be unstoppable because despite the first half, the great performance by the Dolphins' defense, two first-half interceptions, that 30-yard sack like Cam just talked about with Jerome Baker, they had a 10-0 lead to start the second quarter. Then they only trail four at the half. It looks positive. It looks like they could do something. Now, I know they had injuries and whatnot, but nonetheless, aside from Van Oy and Landon Roberts, this is still a top-five unit in the league, I'd say. And Mahomes in the offense proved that under being Amy and overall Reed, that this team is just unbeatable. I mean, they put up, what was it, 16 unanswered points in the third quarter, and Mahomes yeah. immediately note, recognized that Bobby McCann left the game and hits uh, Tyreek Hill for a 44-yard bomb against the backup. Just the amount of offense that they can generate at any time and the fact they could score at any time in such a quick amount of time just shows me that, like, who's going to stop this team? I know there's a, there's a lot of other teams out there with a better defense than the Dolphins. For instance, I think the Saints would give them a run for their money. But just the fact that Mahomes can score at any time with the weapons he has, it's just I don't see anyone beating them. Well, I got to say, I just think, you know, you can make the notion that, oh, they're bored and they're kind of like an NBA team that, to be honest, they kind of know what the regular season is worth. We all know that the Chiefs are turning it up in the playoffs. And can you see, I totally understand what you're saying. But at the same time, you watched the game yesterday. Mahomes uh, turns the ball over twice in the first quarter. The Dolphins' offense wasn't really able to capitalize from that. And Tua played well towards the back end of the game, especially in the fourth quarter. But I think if you give – I think if I were to pick any team to beat the Chiefs right now, I think the team that matches up perfectly is a team that historically has beaten them. You guys remember a couple of Monday nights ago they had that shootout game. The Los Angeles Rams, I think, have the defense to stop the Chiefs. I think they have the offense to do it. And it's a team like that that I think is the perfect kind of team that would somehow, some way, kind of find a way uh, to beat Kansas City. Because, look, they're not – you can make that argument. Like, oh, you know, Mahomes turned it over twice. He had the 30-yard sack, like, and they still won convincingly. But at the same time, when have you seen a great team get run over in the fourth quarter like they did, you know? I just think they're very good, but they're very beatable. Yeah, um, Kenny C, I'm, I know you watched this game for a lot of years, and I know that you're very knowledgeable of this game, but that was a lazy take right there. Like, when you think about who was the last two te- who was the last team to repeat as champions, there's a reason why it hasn't happened in this decade, and it's because it's hard. You know, everybody's seen you that one year, they're going to give you their best shot, and that's exactly what these teams are doing now. It's one thing to give you a best shot, and it's another thing to play disciplined football and not kill yourself with penalties and not capitalize over turnovers, which the Dolphins at some point in this game did while being injured but, in but the injury bug coming though. into play. If you so, want to beat the Chiefs, you have to do that. And all right, and, and, and a good team, a well-coached, good team that's that's playing uh, well could do that. I, I like Zam's, I like Zach's take with the Rams. I think they could um give um they did before in a in a game. You know, I think they could give Mahomes some trouble. See, Goff, I think even the Bills, me, I, I, I I'll say the Bills too. If the Bills know how to jam the receivers like they did against the Steelers, if they bring that same energy to the Chiefs, I think Josh Allen offense could go blow for blow with the Chiefs. And I think the Chiefs have won a lot of close games in this year. But like I said before, you cannot bank on winning close games every single time to bail you out. It's not gonna happen. I just think they're too prolific of an offense to get beat. I could see them repeating this season, honestly. Kenny C, let me ask you this. If you were asked right now who is winning the Super Bowl, the Chiefs or the field, who would you take? The Chiefs or the who? All 31 other teams. Who would you take? All other 31? I'm taking the field. I don't know about y'all. If I had to bet with, like, my life on the line, kind of like – uh, yeah, bet my house. 
I'm taking the field. The who? You're taking if the field? If I had to bet my house, it's I'm like, okay, taking the like, field. Just 100 bucks. Like, I'm giving you guys a free 100 bucks. Who are you putting it on? I'm Jeez. taking the field. Jeez. I'm putting it on the Chiefs. Yeah, y'all going broke. I'm sorry. Y'all going broke. Y'all about to <laughs> I'll take the whole back It's not good to gamble. It's not good to gamble, y'all. I mean, y'all look, 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 I don't gamble on this. I, I put my whole life on this. I believe that uh, oh, nobody in that oh, NFC team, oh, Seattle oh, can beat them. You need to go to witness protection, brother. Can you don't want to do that Damn. to yourself. Damn sure Green Bay can beat them. Oh, so no. I'm taking the Chiefs no. over anybody in the Super Bowl. Nah, nah, nah. That's not how the game will. Anybody that had, anybody that watched football know you should take the field over the Chiefs with Peyton. Nah, look. What happened to the Niners? Zach, that's not a bad take at all. I could see the Rams giving them a run for the money. My only problem is Goff, if he could show up in a big game like that and actually be able to oh, be okay, consistent. hold on a second. Everyone, that's my biggest, come on, my come biggest on. Real question. Quickly, real quickly here, Zach. When you, when you take the field, you have to assume, accumulate a lot of possibilities. Injuries, this and that. So I, I take the field. There's a lot of um, flexibility you have with taking the field See, over one team. That's a very team. broad question, though. You know? So, to be honest, factoring that in, then I mean, it changes the whole thing. Because if we're going to okay, say okay, if Mahomes gets hurt, then All obviously. Right, fine. fine. Okay. Assuming everyone is healthy, you know, I, I agree. Like, no freak injuries. Like, I don't know. I just think a lot of people, you know, I think the, you know, some football fans would take Will and I's logic and say, look, even though the Chiefs are hist- they're very good, their offense is very prolific. But at the same time, I agree with Will's notion that, you know, if you play, even if Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback, if you play – close game after close game after close game, odds are it's going to bite you. I I really believe that. And I think even though a lot of people are down on Pittsburgh right now, I think the Colts provide a very interesting matchup with Kansas City, given their defense and their offensive line and their ability to run the ball. And look, man, I I think in the playoffs, everyone is going to be picking Kansas City to win the Super Bowl. And and look at history. And look at and look at history. That's all we bringing up to you is history. When was the last team that won back to back years? No, I'm pretty I know sure that, they were good teams like that were dominant. Three. You know, there was good teams that were dominant back then. Kansas City was not the only team that's like dominant. There was other dominant teams, but there's a reason why that they didn't win back to back, and that's because this is the NFL, not the NBA. What about the Patriots? Didn't the Patriots won back to back in one year? That was the last team to do it. Yeah, in 2003, 2004. <laughs> Right. That's how many years ago, you know, like. (laughs) And we'll have to see what happens with that. Um, But the next topic here goes with uh, along the narrative of a player that played for the Patriots and his new team, the Buccaneers defeated the Vikings 26 to 14. Bruce Arian said, uh, quote, on Tampa Bay's offense, quote, we can do any damn thing we want to do. Reactions to this. Oh, man, I, I got to tell it to y'all guys, man. Tom Brady, you got to run for your life. You, you got to run for your life. Tom Brady, run for the hills, brother. Run and don't ever look back, please. Because this coaching staff entirely has to be a dumbass. They, they dumbasses. They stupid. I, Delil, let me calm down. Let me calm down. They're not thinking smart. I'm going to just leave it like that. They're not thinking smart. First of all, I want to reflect back to a comment that my guy – well, he's not my guy anymore. Byron Letwich made in a press conference. He was asked the question about the, the play calling and the play action. Tom Brady is one of the NFL's most successful passes on play action so far this season, ranked number two to be exact. But the Bucks rank among the lowest teams in the league running play action. So he was asked that question. Why don't you use the play action more? Because you're one of the best at it. Here was, here was his response. I don't know. T 
to be honest with you. Like I tell you, we do what we feel as though we need to do to win the football game. We're not trying to do what everybody else does, what some other teams do best. We're trying to do what's best for our players. We understand how good we are at play action, but it all comes down to being able to run the ball consistently week in and week out. Ladies and gentlemen, Ronald Jones himself is fourth in the damn league in rushing yards. And his, he, he averaged 5.1 yards per carry. So obviously, if you want to do what's best for the team, it's running the damn football. Secondly here, before I let y'all get in here, if you're benching Leonard Fournette, who's healthy, and putting him in the doghouse for a daggone 32 shady washed-up McCoy, you don't know how to coach. You don't know how to coach. And that's my thoughts. Bruce Arian, to say we can do anything, any damn thing we want to do, bring that ass here, boy. If your offense is so dynamic, as you say, you know, we could do any damn thing. You guys would have been fighting for a wild card spot, a, a wild card spot, I would say. You guys are currently six right now. And, that, and, the, last three, and the last three games are must-win games for you guys. You guys see Atlanta twice next week and has it in week 17. Then after that, after, the, um, after the Atlanta, the first showing against Atlanta, you guys see Detroit. But I'm, you guys must know. Week 17 is always a tricky, like, it's always a tricky week for every team that's, you know, that's trying to fight for a playoff spot. If, if Tampa Bay lose week 17 against Atlanta, kiss their dreams goodbye. And Sacks, with the addition of A.B., he has zero touchdown, guys. In five games, he has zero touchdowns. His stats, he only had 25 receptions for 217 yards. Tell me. Tell me, like, if you guys could do any damn thing, I thought A.B. would have at least – Four to five, six, seven, or eight touchdowns by now. But he hasn't done a damn thing. I'm done. Yeah, I think looking at this Buccaneer game, my one main takeaway from the game yesterday was that if only the Minnesota Vikings had a field goal kicker that can make a kick, because I feel like if Dan Bailey could have made a couple of those kicks, we could have had a very different game. Because the Buccaneers going into this game, I thought this these next four games, as Cam said, are very important to this Buccaneer team, right? We all agree that over the last couple of weeks, they haven't looked ideal. And we all know that they're very talented. And if all those guys click on the right cylinders, they could go really far in the playoffs. But at the same time, watching the game yesterday, coming off of the bye week, I just was very disappointed in the effort, even in a win. I think right now, when I watch the Buccaneers, they're just a bunch of guys that are very talented, but can't really do anything. I, I don't know if you guys follow college basketball that often, but uh, Duke and Kentucky right now, they're both teams full of freshmen and none of them are in the top 25 right now. And that never happens. So at the same time, I do think that the Buccaneers got a little lucky yesterday. You know, you got, you got, they got to win in the worst way, but at the same time, I just don't really, I could see why I still stand by the statement that next year, Bruce Arians is not going to be the head coach of the Buccaneers. And I just think that, the more time goes by, the more inevitable that looks. Because when you look at it, right, Bruce Arians used to be a very good coach and he had a lot of success in Arizona. He then retires, goes to broadcasting, didn't love it. And apparently the reason why he retired that first run was because of the, the just hard hours of being a head coach. I got to be honest with you guys. When I look across the league right now, I look at a Sean McVay. I look at a Kyle Shanahan. I look at a Matt LaFleur. I look at a Mike Vrabel. Young coaches Ryan, like Ryan Flores. Joe Ryan Judge. Flores that are just scheming their, you know, those are more defensive guys, but, you know, the offensive minds, the offensive geniuses, even some of the offensive coordinators. And to be honest, I just think that if you match the Buccaneers up with one of those teams, they could just run circles around them and significant coaching advantage. Now, 
a lot of people thought going into the season, you know, you have Tom Brady as your quarterback, the GOAT, and we all know he's obsessed with winning. He will do anything it takes to win. But at he the same so time, victory. <laughs> but at the same time, when you look at it, you know, the Buccaneers on an offense, they have six different uh, offensive assistant coaches. That's more than anyone in the league. To be honest, um, I don't really, you know, I know we discussed the blame last week, but the bottom line is this isn't working. And even if they win their next three games, you know, I'm not really going to have a lot of confidence in them going into the yeah, for me with this one, I'm not really going to overanalyze how the offense played. I'm more so looking at how well the defense played because, like Zach said, they were lucky to get away with this game given one Tampa uh, – excuse me, Minnesota had 18 more minutes of possession time. And two, the defense came up huge with that six-sack sack performance, JPP with the strip sack and recovery at the end. And they won by 12 – but with the kicks, I mean, they really won by four points. So this game was too close for comfort. And if you want to talk about the run game, I mean, you guys have been – I mean, I know Leal specifically has been begging for them to, you know, run the ball more with Ronald Jones. The guy had 18 carries for 80 yards and two red zone scores. So I think I more so agree with Bruce Arians when he was asked on was this game engineered on running the football more. He said that yes and no. Games dictate how much you run it meaning it's situational. If you're down by two, three scores in the first half, you're not going to run a ball as much. But at the end of the third quarter, they're still leading, so they're going to rely on Rojo and kill the clock, and that's what they did. And the defense came up big and sacked Kirk Cousins when they needed to and ended the game. So I think this is more so a really good performance on the defense, and the offense did what it needed to do. It was more of a game-managing type of offense. The, the the notion that you are down by a touchdown or two in the first half that automatically eliminates your passing game is totally false. I have seen teams that were down by multiple scores in the first half that stuck with that stuck with the run and um, made the game competitive or even won it. The Rams against the Bills, they continued to run the football until they got themselves back in the league, establishing that play action. They didn't lose their identity. They stuck with their identity. And the Buccaneers are a team that does not have a set identity. And that's something as a Tom Brady guy, I could admit to. Now, get me, don't get me wrong. Tom Brady missed some throws early in the game. He missed a wide open target to Rob Gronkowski up the seam. He missed another wide open Chris Godwin, but then he also rebounded um, throwing the deep ball to Scotty Miller on a post route and that um, play action pass um, to Gronkowski in the back of the end zone and a deep shot to Mike Evans. So Tom Brady shows flashes, but all in all, no matter how you want to slice it, if you want to take shots at Brady or not, that's on you, but the play calling has to get better. I think they took a little bit of a step. Um, I don't know how much a step that is. I don't think it's a, a step to the other block. I just think it was like a little like, you know, hee-hee um, by running the football. I think LaShawn McCoy gave them a little, you know, swap, but that's not going to happen going forward. They need to give Leonard Fournette the ball and try to figure it out with Leonard Fournette. But, you know, they did run the football more. I'll give them that. But still, I'm not impressed, and I think they need to do more. And, I, and, and Cam, I don't um, – even if they lose to the Falcons, they're still in the playoffs. They have a 90% chance of making it. They will have to lose two out of the next three games for them not to make the playoffs. Thank you, thank, thank you for educating me on this. But, Zach, quick yeah. question before, um, before we go on to the next topic. Keep so you feel like Bruce Aaron will not last the season – well, will not be back as head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next season, correct? I do. I do believe that, yes. All right. If you were to give a head coach, a possible head coach for that Tampa Bay team, who mm -hmm. would it be? 
Uh, I mean, you kind of put me, you're putting me on the spot here. I mean, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I could give you a, an answer at a, a later date, but one quick thing I want to talk about with the Bucks, Will, I'm going to ask you, man, like you're a Brady guy, you know, you like the Bucks. Like as a fan, like you kind of, you know, made some good takeaways, bad takeaways from yesterday's game. How are you feeling as a fan right now? Do you have confidence in this Buccaneer squad right now that they could win a playoff game or two? Um, Zach, that's a good question because <laughs> as a human being, you always want to look at things two ways, the good and the bad. And I think sometimes you could be nervous about something, but the ego in you, like the, the, the thing in you that want to look at the positive more than the bad, it sometimes kick in. And I think that's my situation with the Bucks. I'm a little bit worried. I still have hope because at the end of the day, I, I do think we show, it showed me flashes at, at various points in the, in the year the Buccaneers have. And I think if they could develop some more consistency, I think talent-wise, what keeps me hopeful is that talent-wise, we could beat anybody with the pure talent that we have on the roster. It's just about the, the consistency and the more creativity I'm expecting from Bruce Arians. So if we can do that, if we can, let's say we run the table and go into the playoffs as this hot team, we can be dangerous. But okay. I don't know. Let me ask you one more question then. And um, if you want, you know, we could, I could ask you this question again right before the start of the playoffs when we know all the matchups and everything. But right now, I ask you uh, during the Chiefs segment, you know, I give you a free 100 bucks, you take taking the Chiefs to the field. Let me give you another one. Right now, over, under, Buccaneers playoff wins, one and a half. Are you taking the over or the under? Because I'm taking the under. I'm telling you, it depends. I got to see what they play. You know, I got to see, you know, matchups is everything, you know, matchups is everything. Right now, I have to see give me an play. answer. Like, are you feel, are you leaning more towards yes, leaning more towards no? But we all know that we don't know who they, they're playing yet. But if you were to just give an answer, are you leaning towards yes or no? It, it, I think this answer for me will be invalid at this point because, like, like I said, they show me something. I don't, you think I'm trying to get honestly, I'm a pass. I plead the fifth. Like, I'm Wait, a but you know what I mean, Will? I'm, I'm just saying, I'll as, the fifth. Zach, as someone I'll plead who, the fifth. okay, as someone who you know covers the league, loves the league, I what I love to do is getting into you know fans' heads about their own specific team. That's part of the reason why I love doing the show with you guys is because Kenny I know you, you're kind of putting me into like a psychological game. Zach. You're trying to play with my mind. You're trying, you're trying to play with my mind here. I just, I no, I just want to know as a Buccaneer fan, how are you feeling about the team? That's all I'm trying to figure out. I'm not happy. I mean, when I saw my, my, my take, I had a lot of, you know, aggression. Right, I was upset. Can, so yeah, I'm not but, happy. Like right, this again, victory I'm just, here, I'm, just saying, I'm like, not happy. Right. For all we know, but as you, as you said, Will, you know, all this, the playoffs are a different animal. The Bucs are very talented. You have Tom Brady as your quarterback. And I agree that that gives you a legitimate shot. I'm just wondering that even though all those things are true, when I watch this Buccaneer team, I, I'm not exactly sure what they do well. I'm not exactly sure if even if they win the next three games in a row that going into the playoffs, I'm going to have any reason to believe why they could win more than a playoff game or two. Because right now, I got to be honest with you, I'm not feeling too good about these guys. Like I said, sometimes, and I and I'm not fighting anything you're saying. Like it's not going to be a a tip for tat, a blow for blow. Um, everything you're saying is right. I just think that we also have to look at momentum and um teams that let's say in the past that won Super Bowls that got hot at the right time that looked like they was going to be having an early vacation in Cancun somewhere and they ended up winning the damn chip. So I just think what we are banking on right now is winning the next three games, and I think that's just more important right now. Yeah, this is definitely a team that needs to find some sort of identity, like Cam said, because they don't really have one. 
and, you know, just play more consistent. Consistency is basically how you could describe both sides of the ball for these guys. Perfect point, too. Both sides. Both sides. That's where you got to look at it. Yeah, I think defense, too, because at various times, they are very inconsistent. Like, the first half, Dalvin Cook was running all over them. This is the best defensive line of football. And then the second half, they made plays. They got the sacks. We talk about the missed field goals. Yeah, that's that's what happened. But they sacked Kirk Cousins, making the field goal even harder for them to kick. So it's about consistency consistency on both sides of the ball. We have less than a minute. So we might as well go on a quick commercial break, y'all. All right. Yes, sir. And the next topic here, Cam Jones, Coach Mello, will give us his letter grade on Jalen Hurts' first start and Doug Peterson's play calling. Hey, guys, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Before the week started, right, you know, ESPN, you know, on first take was like, wow, Jalen Hurts about to go against the, uh, about to go against the number one defense in the league in the New Orleans Saints. How will he perform? Will he execute? Let me tell you this. Let me tell a little glimpse about Jalen Hurts, you guys. Jalen Hurts came from the SEC. You don't think Jalen Hurts see competition every week in Auburn, in a Georgia, in a Florida, in a LSU every week? Come on now. This is cake. This is cake for um, Jalen Jones. But I must say, for his first start, I was kind of iffy. I was like, oh, man, how is he, like, he going to perform? But I really like the way how Doug Peterson play, you know, play against his strength as far for, like, um, I – Overall, the grade I give him is an A minus. Uh, I like the fact, like, even though he was only um, 17 of 30 for for like a buck 67 and one touchdown, I like the fact, like, you know, he was able to stay bo- uh, to stay poised in the pocket. You know, you know, most quarterbacks once when they freak out, they're like, oh my god, they're scrambling for their life. But you know, one thing I like about Hurts, like, he just stay in the pocket. If he doesn't see anything, he either hit the um, he either hit the check down or like he runs, um, he scrambles for like a couple of yards, even for a first down. Um, I do like the fact like on the read option, like he, 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 he did a great job with that. He, you know, he knew when to give it, when not to give it, when to keep it. And honestly, I like that back shoulder throw to Alshon Jeffrey for the touchdown. That was a good throw by him. Uh, he did a fabulous job with that. Um, I just like the fact like, you know, you know, he makes smart decisions. Instead, instead of trying to forcing things, like, you know, he, you know, he, he didn't try to go deep with it. You know, he went short intermediate routes. You know, all the underneath route was, was pretty much open for him. So he pretty much did a good job with that. And also, too, um, I just like the fact, like, you know, he just stayed calm the whole time, you know, from the first quarter all the way to the end of the game. And the only bad thing I could give him was that one fumble loss he had. That's it. Yeah, I think um, to add on to your point, Cam, when you talk about the Eagles and the game plan, I think we have to also shout out Doug Peterson. I think um, he, he called a good game for Jalen Hurts. You know, scheming Jalen regular open and getting him involved in the game with the checkdowns, even though one of the catches could have been obviously called the offensive P.I., the reps didn't call it, all right, we'll take it. And I think that he did a good job of scheming guys open and, and just opening up the game for Jalen Hurts and playing a conservative um, but disciplined game. And I like – Jalen Hurts poise. And like you said, like you alluded to, this brother been in the SEC. This brother, you know, had to transfer schools from Alabama to Oklahoma to get his start. And everywhere he went, he won. So I think this is a brother that is going to do good things. I just, I'm just interested in seeing how the offense progress going forward. I don't know if this is sustainable for a substantial amount of time. I think you have to evolve with Jalen Hurts. I want to see him step in the pocket stay in the pocket and deliver the football if he can do that. 
then the Eagles have some serious questions that they have to consider going forward. Yeah, I'm going to jump right in here and hop on with the, uh, the Peterson play call, man. Definitely helped Hurts big time. And the, the thing that I'm looking at here is the fact that they established the run game finally. They used Miles Sanders the way he's supposed to be used, and he rumbled for 115 yards and two touchdowns. He was huge to the success of Hurts because it takes the weight off the quarterback's shoulders. And Hurts himself, I thought he did a really good job all in all, improvising and making the necessary uh, plays with his feet to get first downs, 106 yards on the ground with that. That more, show, that more so overshadowed, you know, his performance through the air. But, you know, I did like what I saw from him um, with his passing. It showed me that, you know, when he was throwing for 70% completion percentage in his last year of college with Oklahoma, he showed me some good flashes of how accurate he can be in this game. I thought he threw a lot of nice balls. And all in all, I think I'd give him an A- minus for his performance. He did what he had to do, obviously – the defense picked up the slack. It was kind of similar to like a Tua start, although he played performance-wise much better than Tua. And, um, you know, when your defense is playing really good and your coach is utilizing the weapons that he has around you properly, it only bodes for success. And all in all, I think Hurts did a good job with um, not turning the ball over as well compared to Carson Wentz. Yeah, that was a really good point. Uh, some really good points you guys are bringing up about Jalen Hurts and the way uh, Doug Peterson schemed the offense. A couple takeaways from this game that I realized was, number one, I feel like the Eagles nor the Saints didn't really know what to expect from a Jalen Hurts-led Philadelphia Eagles offense. And I feel like when Jalen Hurts, when he's, you know, yesterday, I think he played very well, but I just really hope the media doesn't overreact and use this as – okay, this guy's the real deal because we've seen it too many times. We've seen Taysom Hill work for a couple of games. We've seen Tim Tebow and all those different kind of players work for a couple of games, but ultimately, you know, it runs out. And I feel like with the Eagles, even though yesterday was a really nice win, they obviously made some progress. I uh, agree with Kenny C. They really did a nice job establishing the run game. Their defense even showed up for the first time in a while, you know, forcing some turnovers. But at the same time, I think Eagle fans have to remember the big picture is that if Jalen Hurts is winning – yeah, that's great, but I feel like it still doesn't necessarily solve your big problem at hand. And I love Carson Wentz more than anyone, but I can't defend him. He hasn't been good this season. And the bottom line is he's making $35 million next year. We can say all we want, oh, he'd fit great with the Colts. He'd fit great with another team. But right now, I'm not necessarily sure if another team is going to be able to take that money on his contract. And if you're the Eagles and you just have a $35 million quarterback on one hand, and then another hand, you have a backup who, you know, is playing well this season. I don't know what you do. Well, I think there's two things that you said, Zach. Um, but I'm going to refer to the last thing that you just said, since it's fresh in our memories. That um, when you were talking about Jalen Hurts and, and Wentz and him being having to be paid over $30 million, I think you're just going to have to go with the hot hand and whoever gives you the best chance to win. I think these next three games is very crucial. Maybe four or five, depending if they win the division, I don't think it's, ha- it's going to happen. So I'm going to say the next three games um, with Jalen Hurst is going to be very critical. You're going to have to watch that game and evaluate, you know, and evaluate his performance and say, look, does he give me the best chance to win a game? I don't care if I got to pay this. If I got to pay this brother, it's going to be hard. Obviously, you got to pay the brother still. But at the same time, if Jalen Hurst gives us the best chance to win, you got to ride that hot hand. 
But another thing, too, that you did bring up when you said, I hope the media don't overblow this. Well, guess what, Zach? I don't think you should hope. I think you should know that the media is going to overhype this because that's exactly what the media does. Remember Tim Tebow? Tebow. Whoa. Where's Tebow at? Home. That's where he's at right now. So the, the media has a habit of, you know, when you fall off, yeah, he's the worst thing that's ever made. And if he has a good game, he's the best. But I'm asking you guys right now, do you think Jalen Hurts could be the future franchise quarterback of the Eagles? I, 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 can't, I can't tell you that after one game. I, I'm I sorry. I can't tell you that. I can't tell you that after yeah, one game. I think game. he needs some more time. Yeah. yeah. I, with the yeah, fact I can't tell you that. What about yes, virtually, guys, guys. virtually zero offensive line. And yeah, yet I can't oh, right, but I'm saying, saying, I'm saying the way he played yesterday, do you think right. that could work in the future? Well, yesterday, yeah. no, it can't work. It can't work too early to say, bro. You know that style Ooh. cannot work that's through like every saying, week because that's like saying like, because Tua because Tua threw for only ninety three yards and was like twelve for seventeen. Like, is he their franchise quarterback? You no, can't base it off one game. Not, I think it's not because that Jalen Hurts is playing with a specific style. You know, I think yesterday the reason why it was, was it was a conservative game plan. You can't be conservative every week. You're gonna have to open up and. And he's going to have to sit in the pocket and throw the ball down the field. Now, granted, he showed me flashes that he could throw the ball down the field. Can he do it consistently? I don't have an answer for you. So how can I say he's going to be the answer at quarterback? I can't tell you that after, after one game. Yeah, I mean, how do you feel about it? You don't, think he, you don't think he is? Go ahead, Cam. Well, Lil, remember a few episodes we was having a discussion like the type of quarterbacks we have in the league right now? You know, majority of the quarterbacks in the league are system quarterbacks. You know that, right? Yeah. Like, you don't expect them to do flashy things, just game manage. Well, it I depends. Think- it depends on how you're talking about because I do think, you know, it is a system league, but not every quarterback can win you a Super Bowl. The oh. Eagles or its franchise that won a Super Bowl a couple years ago, so I'm guessing that they want to win the Super Bowl. That's their, you know, ceiling, not just, you know, winning games and then getting bounced in the playoffs or not making the playoffs. I think if you're, if you're talking about the, the answer at quarterback – you know, that's going to win you a lot of games. And I don't know if – Jay, I don't see it yet. I have to see more. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to say he's a bust or not. I wasn't high on him um, pre-coming out of college. I thought he was a gadget guy. But yeah. at the same time, I can't let one game just automatically just throw that out. Even though I think he's more than a gadget guy, I just don't know if he's the answer. I, can, I have to see more film. Look, honestly, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to give you guys the key to this. Jalen Hurts is a great game manager. That's not to say he's a great game manager. You don't expect him to throw over 300 yards, 200 yards a game. That's okay. But he knows how to manage the game well, guys. And I know for a fact he could do this for this Eagles team down the line. But what what? Have- we'll have to see. Oh, go ahead. No, you're good. Go uh, one more thing I wanted to bring up really quickly is that when you're looking at the Eagles as a whole, right, I think we could all agree yesterday's win was a great sign going forward. But I feel like when you look at the future of the Eagles team, their head coach and their GM are going to be obviously under a lot of scrutiny, a lot of fire. And to be honest, Lil, when I asked you earlier, when I was like, oh, if the Eagles can't trade Carson Wentz and, you know, you just go with the best – the quarterback that gives you the best chance to win, I got to be honest, if I'm the owner of the Philadelphia Eagles, like, I'm not taking that as an acceptable answer. And if that's the case, if the Eagles can't trade Carson Wentz, I got to be honest with you guys, I'm really considering firing Doug Peterson. I'm really considering firing Howie Roseman because that's a huge problem. You can't have – a quarterback making $35 million sitting on the bench. Can't happen. Well, that's that's something that you can't really, unless you trade him, that's something that you can't reflect on and stay <laughs> on forever. You have to move forward. And I think the owner, 
um, from what I heard, wanted Jalen Hurts to get out there and get that yeah. opportunity. He was he almost um got upset at Doug Peterson for that. So I'm pretty sure if Doug Peterson was like, all right, we walking with Jalen Hurts next year, I'm pretty sure the owner is gonna be okay with that. Right, but if you're an owner, <clears throat> you're investing $35 million of your own money into a quarterback, and he's sitting on the bench. What does that tell you? That you want a thirty, you want a thirty, you want a thirty-five, you want a thirty-five million. Uh, you want a $35 million quarterback costing you games, or you want a Jalen Hurts, a ch- you know, winning you games? I mean, well, I, way, I like the win. Okay, that's you know? fine. And I'm pretty either sure way, the fans. Okay, that's fine. You can throw that like argument to me. I mean, but either, either way, way, either way, it's a huge issue. Jalen Hurts yeah, winning, Jalen Hurts being the, the future of the Eagles. Oh, yeah. is it, it's undoubtedly an issue because, you know, if you keep Wentz in and he continues to play horribly, then if you're trying to trade him, you, you're going to get nothing for him. So, right. in a sense, it was a good move, but at the same time, if you rock with Hurts, now you're losing a lot of money. Exactly. They, and for me, I think they take that, a $25 million cap hit regardless. Right, exactly. And that's why, for me, I look at this whole situation as a lose-lose. And I got to be honest, if, you know, yeah, if I agree, though. I agree. Wins, like, bro, like, I, 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 I understand Doug Peterson is one of <laughs> I understand he's been to the playoffs the last three years, and you guys know when it comes to head coaches, I'm very strict and I get it. But you cannot have that quarterback sitting on the bench. Because if he is, that's a failure but, to the head coach, and that means the head coach will be gone. But, and that's but why – My thing, my thing uh, is, too, I, I agree with you saying, but – Carson Wentz, like, ever since he tore his ACL three years ago, he had not been the same player. He was he had hasn't. concussion, knee issues, shoulder issues. It's like, yo, this guy is unable to stay healthy. So I really cannot blame the head coach on that. Before, the, we saw a little bit of talent, but the mm-hmm. issue was – can he still help? Can he stay healthy? healthy and right. now that and he's healthy, us. can he be good? You know, so it's like, you know, they are in a lose lose situation. But at the same time, if Jalen Hurts wins you, let's say the next three games, and he has the momentum and the backing of his teammates as a cohesive unit, I just find it hard to believe that you will play either way. You drafted him in the second round. You talk about right. investments, they've been back. making bad right. investments. Second overall pick. Guys, guys, Will, that's a great oh, point. hurts, hurts. That's, Will, Will, that's a great point you bring up. I think, and I'm not making excuses. I'm just stating facts. I think that when you combine Nick Foles and everything that went down with that Super Bowl and the Eagles' decision to draft Jalen Hurts, you combine those two things together, I'm not making excuses, but when you combine those two things, the offensive line, the fact that they took J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, no one even knows who that is over DK Metcalf. They take Rieger, who looks like to be a solid player, but let's be honest, yeah. Justin, uh, Jefferson, Justin Jefferson. He was on the board. So at the same time, you look at all those failures. Will, I'm going to ask you this. If the Eagles win their next three games with Jalen Hurts at quarterback, but as we all predict, don't win the NFC East, would you bring Doug Peterson back? Would you bring Howie Roseman back? Because I would not. Fella, I think we just proposed a, a literally another debate. Like no, nah, but show. he's it's, it's facts because at the end of the day, I think he's Zach is onto something, and I and I like facts, so I'm no, all for it. Because at the same time, we we talk about all these mistakes that the Eagles made drafting, you know, wide receivers like yeah. Jalen Regular over DK, and and not and and moving on from um Nick Foles who won them a Super Bowl. Paying Carson Wentz and drafting a quarterback, man, I might just make another. It's good to gamble for the Eagles. I mean, hey, you, 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 you may very well be right, Zach, and I can see them clearing house. I'm not disagreeing. Either with way, they lose, lose. So why not try to win? You know. All, all I'm saying <laughs> is that we should definitely talk about this again, <laughs> and that's why. <laughs> yeah. That's why I wanted to get into the final topic, fellas. Everybody's going to give one takeaway from the way the current AFC or NFC updated playoff picture looks at this time. 
All I have to say is, all I have to say is, do not sleep on the Indianapolis coast, ladies and gentlemen. This team right here, even though they may not have the best roster in the NFL right now, but each and every week, this team play with urgency. You get what I mean? They play with urgency. And yesterday, after that blowout loss, I mean that blowout win to the you know Las Vegas Raiders, you know they showed me that hey. Do not sleep on this team. Do not like, hey, do not be like, ah, don't worry about this team. They're not going to be messing with. But that Indianapolis Colt, especially with that rushing game, if they could still have that balanced attack offense, I believe that they could go far in the playoff. Yeah, I think for me, I'll piggyback right off Cam, and I'll talk about the team the Colts beat yesterday, and that's the Las Vegas Raiders. I got to be honest with you guys, I'm pretty disappointed in this team. You remember early in the season, they had that Monday night football game, and they looked, Drew Brees looked, off. They made Drew Brees look awful. And you thought, okay, maybe this defense could be on to something. Maybe Derek Carr, they go into Arrowhead and win. There's all this momentum. And the last three weeks, they get blown out by the Falcons. They barely beat the Jets. And you kind of could tell yesterday, 10 minutes into the game, that the Colts were the better team. I think Phil Rivers deserves a lot of credit for the way he's been able to play. That running game was churning. I agree 100% with Cam. I think the Colts are a big, big threat to the rest of the AFC going forward. But I'm disappointed in the Raiders. I think I'm not really sure what direction they could go in because if Derek Carr is having such a good season this year and still you can't make the playoffs, with you have the weapons with Waller and Jacobs. Obviously, they fired their defensive coordinator. That's a yeah. big thing. But That's look, probably, that was probably their Achilles heel. Like inconsistency on defense. Yeah, I'm actually – I'm going to stay in the AFC here. And I'm going to look at that number two seed that the Pittsburgh Steelers are currently in um, with that loss. I think this makes the game tonight even more important because let's say the Browns win um, and then the Steelers lose another game. I think the Browns and the Steelers play one more time, right? They play one more time. Week 17. Week 17. That could be for the number two seed. Now, you could be talking about the Cleveland Browns not even touching, sniffing the playoffs to potentially, if things happen, you know, in with if it's supposed to, being the number two seed in the AFC. And that that's something right there. So I think I have a lot to take away with that. And obviously the Ravens, if they win this game, which they need to, they could, you know, sniff a playoff berth as well. So I think that right there is my biggest takeaway. And my takeaway is uh, coming more from um, personal perspective um, with Green Bay taking the one seed. This, to me, if we could finish out and get the bye, that's hands down to me the biggest the biggest focal point of the whole season, if they can get that bye. Because whoever they play in the NFC has a solid running back in their backfield, and we all know about Green Bay's run defense. So I think that that extra week of prep for Mike Pettin could be the difference between – them getting run over in, you know, a first-round matchup or them getting the bye and being able to focus on, all right, this is how we're going to attack this. And that's my biggest takeaway, just an extra week of prep if they could somehow get the bye to figure out the, their defense. Can you see, one more thing I'll add to that is a lot of people have been saying that in these playoffs, uh, home field advantage isn't necessarily going to mean that much due to the coronavirus and there not being that many fans there. But at the same time, I think for a team like the Packers – that advantage could really come in handy because if you're the Packers, not only does that buy in play, but I understand when you go to New Orleans, there are no uh, possibly go to New Orleans, there are no uh, fans there. But if you're the Saints, and we all know Drew Brees and his history in cold outdoor stadiums, to be honest, if the Saints would go to Green Bay, I wouldn't be feeling that confident in Drew Brees' ability to throw the deep ball down the field in the cold, cold land. 
Exactly. That's a, definitely I think, an interesting comment. Yeah, and I think that's um the point me and Zach was both thinking at the same time here, with which was the weather. That's why I was saying weather. Because I yeah. think that um that that is probably the biggest home court advantage that they will have is the weather. And, the frozen you know, tundra. <laughs> you know, and that's just what it is. But at the end of the day, it's football. So if you got to win a chip, more than likely if it's stood today, you got to go through Green Bay. If not, then it is what it is. But, yeah, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, that's another episode right there for you, man. Yes, sir. Our the books, baby. The books are wrapped. Yes, sir, man. I'll see y'all guys next week. All yes, right, even, even though Zach already did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Yo.